welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. For those of you that are celebrating, happy Mother's Day to you. Um, we also know that Mother's Day can be come with lots of different things. And so, um, much like other things at Awaken, we, we would say everything belongs in some way. Uh, and so, however you come here this morning, we want to say welcome to you. Uh, I'm going to begin with a call to worship this morning. And that call to worship is exactly the same thing I'm going to say uh, at the end of my sermon today. So I, wanna, I want you to hear this verse two different times and maybe pay attention to what you hear the first time and what you hear the second time. Um, so I'd invite you to stand in body or in spirit if you are able and to do whatever you need to do to tune in and to listen to these words. From Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Welcome to worship this morning. Let's sing. All right, friends, let's get this party started, or maybe let's keep this party going. Uh, hi, my name's Micah, if we have not met. I am one of our pastors here at Awaken. Really glad that you're with us. Um, if you're new, special welcome to you. We'd love to know that you are here. If you're checking out our church, maybe trying to find a new community to be a part of, uh, there are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can go online. There's a button halfway down our homepage that says, I'm new. Fill those out, uh, one of them, or both, you know, duplicate. We love duplicate records. We're doing some database cleanup right now. Sorry, it's a little bit of, ah. Um, we'd love to know you were here, so somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. We can get to know you, and you can get to know us a little. A um, couple of, oh, if you have tithes or offerings as well, you can give online or old school style. There are some black boxes at each of the exits, so those can go in there along with the cards if you fill them out. A couple things we want to let you know about next Saturday. Our garden gets a kickstart. Kickstart my heart. Who was that? ACDC? Def Leppard? Kickstart my heart? Motley Crue. Wow. We're just making our way through the 80s hair bands. All right. Our garden is going to get started, and uh, there will be a workday from 9 to 12. So if you're interested in that, um, all the food that's grown this summer goes to an organization called Walking with a Purpose that serves our unhoused neighbors in the neighborhood. So that's a pretty cool thing we've got going. You can participate in that. Let us know you're coming online. You can register or sign up for that. AwakenWest7th.com is our website. Um, Memorial Day is coming. And that's the 28th, so two weeks from today, there will only be one gathering, friends. So at 10.30, one hour, if you do not have a cabin or any friends who invite you. I'm here most Memorial Days, so. Just saying. That's usually when the youth pastor gets the nod, you know, and I just find myself here preaching all the time. I don't know what the deal is, whatever. Just kidding. 
But if you are here, we'll be here at 1 hour, 10.30 um, at 9. You will be the only one here, so please don't come then. And then finally, June the 4th is our annual meeting, so uh, Awaken's annual meeting. Uh, this is, of course, for the partners of Awaken, what churches normally call members, we call partners. Um, but it is open and, and encouraged for anybody to, to join us for that day. Um, we'll talk about the life of the church and things that have happened, things that are happening, our budget proposal or uh, um, our budget, yeah, proposal for the next year, and that'll be voted on by uh, the partners at the annual meeting, but you get to hear a little bit from leadership and from pastoral staff and that kind of thing. So that's at 12.30 right after the second hour, and we'll eat lunch together, and then we'll have that meeting. Um, kids will have a movie downstairs, so if you could let us know that you're coming, that'll help us plan for kids and for food. Sound good? Rock and roll. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Numbers, so you can turn there because we don't have a screen today. There are some black Bibles in the pews in front of you uh, if you want to follow along. We're going to continue in our series called Iterations today. This is week five, and we have been talking about this idea that God has a people in Scripture and that no matter where you pick up the Bible, there is an iteration of God's people in Scripture that you're working with. So we've studied uh, the first iteration, the humans in the garden in week one. We looked at uh, Abram in week two, the call of Abram in Genesis 12, and sort of contrasted that with Genesis 11, if you remember, the Tower of Babel, two different humanities. We looked at Jacob and his wrestling with God in the, uh, Genesis 32, and last week we looked at the Exodus story, Exodus 2, where God hears and sees and remembers and knows the cry of his people. Um, if you were here... Uh, this is reviewed to you, but if you weren't here, um, well, actually, this is for you if, you've, if you were here. Um, I talked about the freedom of God, that God is free in their essence, and because of that, God hears and knows and sees and remembers the cry of the people because God is free and they were not, which begs this question of, like, what do we need to be freed from? And I can answer that question for you, and so I kind of modeled to you my engagement with that question. So, what, Michael, what do you feel invited to be freed from? And I talked about... Um, needing to be free from my definition of freedom. Uh, and then I talked about my, 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 this invitation I've sensed to be free from whiteness and na uh, Christian nationalism, the fusion of Christianity and the American Christian or the, the American national story. Um, and that I, I would submit to you, um, in, for those of you who walk around in the world in this skin color, uh, in, in 2023, that this is part of discipleship for Christians. Uh, I want to I invite you into that. And so maybe that's new to you. Maybe you're you know, well along uh, on your journey in engaging that. And I want to just say, if you found yourself like, okay, Micah, that's interesting. Um, thank you for that. But, but now what? Um, I would love to have a follow-up conversation. Jenna, our staff, we, we've all kind of been journeying together uh, on this topic and this conversation. And so we have a, a list of resources that we could recommend to you. Jenna is leading a book study this summer on the book that I mentioned last week, Stand Your Ground. So if you're interested in like, engaging that a little more, uh, I want to at least provide some resources for you or a next step for you so that you don't feel like you're kind of wandering around with the lights turned off and know where, you don't know where the light switch is, right? So please reach out if that's, if that's of interest to you. Today, we're going to follow the Israelites out of Egypt, right? So they, uh, the book of Exodus, the Israelites are being uh, liberated from Egypt and enslavement, and uh, they find themselves in the wilderness. And we'll get to this a little bit more in, in detail, but we're introduced to this reality and this idea, this thing that shows up for the people of God in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire in the story of the Exodus. This has been the subject of much debate among the rabbis. 
a lot of art out there um, on this. Art is very subjective, they say. Um, I, I think that there are some rules in art. I've had this debate with my brothers, and I think that there's a lot of bad art on this topic. I went lo looking for something to be, you know, to show you, and I was like, oh, gosh. But either way, there's a lot of art out there on the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, and so that's what we're going to spend some time thinking about. So if you uh, would join me in standing in body or in spirit for the reading of the text, Joy is going to read our passage this morning from Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 15. Here we go. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, or a month, or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Pray with me. God, we gather this morning with varying degrees of faith and trust and belief in this story and all the stories in this book. And I hope and pray and I trust that uh, you are present to us and with us and moving in our midst, um, speaking, inviting, encouraging, um, inviting us into the kinds of people and the kind of church that you long for us to be. And so, uh, as the prophet says, may we turn our ear toward that sound and that voice and respond in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, amen. You may be seated. Um, <clears throat> if you don't get what's going on in this passage, we're going to need to have your ears cleaned. <laughs> you know how, like, as a parent, sometimes you're like, so uh, we're leaving, and we'd love for you to do a little pickup uh, around the kitchen. Uh, so basically, like, when we return, um, what we'd love to have seen happen is for you to do some of the dishes and put them in, and then you're going to... So in order to do the dishes, you're going to want to put the dishes into the dishwasher and press play on the dishwasher. So basically, like, when mom gets back and I return, what, what we'd like to have seen happen is that, you know what I mean? You just keep going, like, seven different ways you say the same thing over and over again. Okay, we get it. They left. They set out. They camped. I'm entitling this sermon, Setting Out and Setting Up. I normally don't tell you the names of my sermons, but um, this one I did. Do you guys, uh, the Boundary Waters is a place on the border of Minnesota and Canada. There's a group of guys that have been going to uh, the Boundary Waters for a number of years now from Awaken, like eight or nine years or something. And uh, the Boundary Waters, if you've never been, that stands for the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. Only canoes, only paddle power in the BWCA, no motors. Uh, and when you go to the, it's a, it's a series of lakes, right? A bunch of lakes up there. 
and they're connected to one another either by rivers or streams or trails cut by the DNR so that you can carry your canoe from one lake to the next. And so, whenever you start talking about the boundary waters, it engages the, the classic debate, base camp or loop, right? Base camp or loop. What I mean by that is, are you going to go into the boundary waters, are you going to set up base camp and, like, call her good? You know, we're going to set this baby up once, and we're going to settle here, and then we're going to do day trips, or we're going to literally, like, paddle this lake, that lake, that lake, that lake, and in between, in all those times when we're not paddling, we're going to be setting up camp, we're tearing down camp, we're cooking, nothing else. As you can hear from my tone, I'm a base camp guy, right? I have a friend of mine who told me about their Boundary Waters trip, and they're like, yeah, we paddled 40 miles in four days, and I'm like, two carry the seven miles per hour while paddling. It's like less than three usually. Did you do anything but paddle, set up, tear down, or eat? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why did you go? <laughs> There's so many fish to be caught, and you had no time for it at all. Um, I, I would take a pillar of cloud and fire to get me to follow that many times in the Boundary Waters. I'm a base camp kind of guy. But we're going we're gonna to explore this passage where this is what happens. The Israelites, the people of God, they, they, they're given this symbol, this sign, the pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And when it's there, they're there. And when, it's, when it moves, they move. And um, I want to actually invite you this morning to kind of rise above uh, the facts of the story. Right? When we read the Bible, sometimes... Uh, we get into the nitty-gritty about, like, how did it happen, or when did it happen, or is it true, or exactly. And this is a story that I've said questions beget answers of their kind. So if you come to this and ask, like, well, how did it happen, or what were the meteorological conditions upon which a cloud of, a pillar of cloud could actually exist in the world? And what could have happened that maybe they would have thought was looked like a pillar of fire? Just wrong questions. You're barking up the wrong tree. Rather, who wrote this story? And why did they write it? What was the purpose of them recording something such as this? Is it possible that these were exiles, the people of God called and, 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 and set apart by the divine to be a city on a hill and a light that can't be hidden, who found themselves in exile later, at a later date, who are reflecting back on things that happened, wanting to preserve the memory so that they didn't forget the ways in which God was present? So that their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids' kids don't forget the things that God did in their midst. These are questions that begin to get at what is the function? What did this thing do for these people? And in this story, the pillar of cloud and fire. So that's where we're headed this morning. I want to start with a little context, and then we'll get to that. What is the function of this thing? What do we, what do we know? And then what does it say about God in this story and for these people? And then we'll try to, you know, apply it to us, right? Because we are an iteration of God's people. We're coming up to a meeting where we don't know what's going to happen. So what, is, what does this have? Is there any encouragement for us today from the word? All right? That's the roadmap. If you like maps, there you go. Context. Uh, the exodus has happened. So the people were enslaved in, in Egypt. They've been liberated by Moses. They have left Egypt. The Passover, the plagues, the whole bit. They've crossed the Reed Sea. Did you know that, by the way? It's Reed, two E's, not red, one E. Just FYI, it's not even in the notes. They've crossed the Reed Sea. And now, they are. Uh, the, the book of Numbers begins at the base of Mount Sinai as they leave. So Charlton Heston has gone to the top. He's got the tablets. He's come back down. And Numbers begins, and they set out from there. And chapter 9, which we read from, actually begins with like a flashback. Reminding the people, do you remember the day we set out from Sinai? And now they are in the wilderness. 
The wilderness is not just a place that's described. It's not just a descriptor, like many things in the Bible. It has spiritual significance. The word for wilderness in Hebrew is the word midbar, and it means uh, wilderness or mouth or to speak. It comes from the root word that means to speak or to uh, converse, declare, command, promise, warn, threaten. So throughout the Bible, the wilderness becomes this, this idea, this spiritual reality that people go to, and when they're there, they often, if not always, find me a case where it's not true, I, I haven't been able to find one, they hear the voice of the Lord. God speaks to them. It's the place where God speaks. And it's, uh, um, think about, you know, Abram, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, um, David, Jesus, right? They all go to the wilderness and they hear the voice of the Lord. One of the first people in Scripture to go to the wilderness is a woman named Hagar. If you remember, first usage in the Bible is important. And so Hagar finds their way into the wilderness. They leave uh, their, mis- their uh, uh, Sarai, right? She mistreats Hagar and she flees pregnant with child in the wilderness. She encounters a An angel of the Lord. And the angel asks her, where have you come from and where are you going? And Hagar, if you remember, can only answer one of those questions. She says, I'm fleeing my my maidservant, Sarai. The wilderness becomes a place where you know where you've come from, but you don't know where you're going. Has anyone ever been there before? Yes. And the wilderness, more often than not, unless you're an Israelite who disobeys going into the promised land and you die in the wilderness, that's an exception to this rule, but it's not a place where you seek residence. It's not a place where God intends for you to live. It's an experience that the divine leads you through, much like the dark night of the soul that St. John of the Cross talks about. And it's a place in which you hear from and experience God in new and different ways where something dies and something is born. So this is the wilderness, and this is where they are. Now, Let's move above the facts of how did this happen or did it happen or what was the meteorology to what is the pillar of cloud and fire for the people and in this story. And I'll mention three things. The first we're going to find in the book of Exodus. This pillar of cloud and fire shows up in multiple places. So we're going to do a little survey here. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 13, flip back a few pages, and we'll pick it up in verse 20 of chapter 13 where we see the first thing of the leading and direction of God through the pillar of fire and cloud. Verse 20 of chapter 13 says, After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in the pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. In verse 20, we get this really important line which speaks about God's nature, which is, By day the Lord went ahead of them, so that. What is the pillar of cloud and fire? It's God leading and guiding the people. You guys remember the Chronicles of Narnia? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, book two. The Pevensies make their way into the wardrobe. They make their way into Narnia from the wardrobe. They stumble into it, and eventually they all come into it, right? First it's Lucy and Peter, I think, and or, or, or what's the... Oh! <laughs> well, is it, what's the other guy's name? It's not Peter. Edmund! I'm like, Simon? No, that's not it. Thank you. 
For the rest of this illustration, please give me a little leeway on my recollection of the book, all right? There's a moment at some point along the way when a bird, like, finds them and starts, like, chirping at them, right? And it flits around and goes to another tree, and they kind of stay put, and the bird, like, comes back and flits again and is chirping at them. And they're like, I think the bird wants us to follow, Right? And so they begin to follow the bird, and sure enough, he flits to another branch, and then another branch, and then another branch. And the bird in Narnia is like talking to them, leading and guiding them in this magical land called Narnia. And then the, the beaver shows up, Mr. Beaver. And he's like, don't say it too loud out here. You never know who's listening. Why don't we go back to our house, and we can have a chat by the fire. And so Mr. Beaver leads them through Narnia to a safe place. This is what God is doing in the pillar of cloud and fire. He's leading and guiding the people to life. To that which is good and right and true. A few other examples in scripture. I want to build a case that this is what God is interested in doing. This is the nature of the divine. Some of you have read Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You remember that story? And God comes to them and says, where are you? Of course, what a great question, by the way. What a great question. Where are you, says God who sees all. Um, we were hiding, we were, uh, we were ashamed, so we hid and we, co- we covered ourselves. And God begins to declare to them, like feedback to them, in light of what has happened, in light of the choices that you've made, here's what happens next. I don't think this is God, like God's heart for them, but rather, this is the bed that you've made, and so let me describe it for you. So he speaks to the serpent, he speaks to Eve, he speaks to Adam, and then they are uh, escorted out of Eden, right? And the way I got this story when I grew up was like, they got kicked out of Eden. I think Rich Mullins even wrote it in a song, right? And he got kicked them out of Eden. And then, on that, and then there's an angel, like, guarding the way back, like, you don't come back, right? I think there's a better way to read that story. It says in the text that there is a cherubim, which represents the host, the presence of God. You know what's on top of the Ark of the Covenant? Cherubim, where the the presence of God rests. So that's what's put at the garden's entrance. And that cherubim is given a fiery, ever-turning sword, right? So if you've been escorted out of Eden, and you're down the way a little bit, and the sun is setting, and darkness has come, and you turn around, what do you see? A giant flaming sword, right? Saying, it's here. This is the way back. The actual text says that the cherubim will shamar the way to the tree of life. The word shamar is the word that we get, or gets translated, guard. Every Sunday after church is over, I offer a blessing to you. And that blessing is the Lord bless you and what? Keep you. Shamar. The Lord bless you and shamar you. So what is the cherubim doing? If I'm wanting the Lord to bless you and keep you. Same word. Is it possible that the cherubim with the fiery ever-turning sword is placed at the entrance to the garden as if God is saying, it's right here. Keep this way. Guard this way. Protect it so that it's, it's available for all times. For you to turn around to repent, shuv, and see, oh, there it is. Thank you for the billboard. Is this not the heart of God leading and guiding you? You remember on resurrection morning, the women come to the tomb and they're looking for Jesus and they go in and there's an angel. And the angel's like, hey, guess what? You're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's gone ahead of you into Galilee and there you will find him. Why? Because this is not a maze. This is not a trick. 
The heart of God, the intention of God is to lead and guide you. What does Jesus say to his disciples when he's ascending? He's like, hey, I got to peace out for a bit, but I'm, someone will join you in my absence. The Spirit. To do what? Lead you and guide you into all truth. This is what God does. This is who God is. And we see it in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire for the Israelites. We also see God protecting and acting on their behalf. Next chapter in Exodus, verse 19 of chapter 14, we read this. The angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud is also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and the Israelites. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. I wish I had one of these in high school to keep the, you know, the bullies away. You know what I mean? Sorry, that joke didn't go. <laughs> then Moses stretched out his hand. Keep going, Micah. Stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their left and on their right. The Egyptians pursued them, and all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from where? The pillar of fire and confused uh, at the Egyptians and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. They've just left Egypt. They, they, they have camped with the impassable Red Sea in front of them and a high place uh, behind them. And on that high place comes riding up the chariots of the Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. They're dead to rights. They're caught. There's nowhere to go. And what does God do but place themselves between the enemy, between harm, and the people? Like in a movie, in a book, who doesn't love that moment when somebody who you love or the, the main characters love, they place themselves in harm's way between the enemy or the threat and the person that they love, right? We melt at that. I'm reading Where the Red Fern Grows for the second time out loud to my kids. Man, oh man, if you have not read that book, you are missing out. One of my all-time favorites. We have this memory of driving into Durango on our sabbatical where we're reading, you know, the penultimate chapter. I won't give it away. Don't worry. But Laura's reading, and she's like, la, 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 and just starts crying. You know, it's like, I can't read it. Hands it to Hadley in the back seat. Hadley starts reading. They start crying. They hand it to their younger sister, Dahlia. Dahlia starts crying. The whole car, we got to pull over. Micah's crying in the front. The whole place is crying. There's this scene where Billy, the main character, he's a young boy, he's out hunting, and he finds himself pinned up against a rock wall, and a mountain lion, the devil cat, is like ready to devour. And what happens? But old Dan and little Ann get in, and they place themselves between harm's way and them, that who they love, Billy. This is what God's doing. And not only that, but then God, like, fights for them, like, acts, like, gets involved, not, to pa not just passive, like, stands between, but then does something. Now, here's the thing, guys. I know how crazy this sounds. And I have been to the sermon where the pastor begins to talk about how the Lord's going to fight for you, right? And it's going to look like this, and it's going to look like that, and it's going to look like that. And I will just say, I don't know how this works. We're talking about like a, a realm we don't even see and, and hardly understand. 
So I will not stand here and tell you with like dead confidence that this is what God will do. God will like mess, like put a stick in the, the a spoke of the chariots of the enemy. I, that's not the point. The point is that what is God like? And wouldn't it be wild if the divine was one who stood between you and that which is, that which is intending to harm you? Wouldn't it be wild if the heart of God was one that, like through free moral agents in the world, acted and invited somebody to do something so that an outcome would be different? And if he, that person said no, God just kept going, kept knocking on doors, waiting for... What if, that, what if that's what God is like? I think that's pretty cool. And we see in this story and in this text and all throughout the Bible, a word, words declaring and testifying to the fact that this is in fact what God is like. God who works for good and for love and for wholeness in the world and enlists us to be a part of that. Protecting and acting, leading and guiding. And lastly, I would say this is an invitation to trust and obey. You know the the old song, since it's Sacred Sunday, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I remember my grandparents singing that song, Jeannie and Elmer. Which gets us back to chapter 9 where we started. And this group of people who won't move if the Spirit doesn't move. That's another old one, right? And when the Spirit does move, they move. They go with it. The tabernacle is where the, 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 the cloud of the pillar of cloud and fire rests over the top of. And the tabernacle is the home, it's the house, it's the dwelling, it's the indwelling place of the divine presence. So the cloud is a symbol of God's presence. And that place, the tabernacle, is, is, is it's a reminder to the people that you're not alone. And this is not all that there is. It's, the, it's the, 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 like the moment where heaven and earth connect in this there it is kind of moment, the pinnacle of it. And so when the cloud moves, the people say, we got to move too. And when it stays, they stay put. Because what they're interested in is being connected to, the presence of, being around. And actually, if you look at maps, the way that they would organize themselves, it's wild. The center of the, of the camp was the tabernacle. And each tribe had a place around, and it was like they surrounded the presence of the Lord. And all their life was sort of orbiting around this thing, like it had a gravitational pull that they couldn't and didn't want to be apart from. And so when it moved, they moved. And when it stayed, they stayed. It's an invitation to trust. Trust that the Spirit of God will lead you, will move when it's proper to move, when you need to move. So you trust that that's what God is like and that that is a good word and worth following. But not only trust, but to obey. And I don't know about you, but I hate that word. Any other obey haters out there? Okay. You know, it's like obey. Like you got to do what I say. Like there's a power play here, right? And I'm up here and you're down here and so you got to get when I say get, obey. That is like the exact opposite of the word obey in scripture. There's a prayer that, that Jewish people still pray to this day. It's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The first word of that prayer is Shema. Listen or hear, that's the word for obey. What if obey wasn't about power? What if obey wasn't about top-down and imposing will on someone else? But what if obey was an invitation to listen, hear, tune your ears, and not just take in audible sounds, but take it in and then allow it to direct your life and your, your course of action in the world? 
Obey. Adjust based on what you've heard. Obey. Listen so that you can live. Obey. That's different than obey. Like someone who really actually does love you, who can see something that you can't see, who says, oh, it's this way. And so you listen, you hear, and you adjust. So friends, as we look at this pillar of cloud and fire, not did it happen or how did it happen, but what is it saying that God intends to lead and guide? This is God's intention. This is what God wants to do. This is the heart of God. That God is promising their presence by day and by night. Never did it leave them. So awaken as we close this morning. I want to offer a few encouragements to you, two of them. Um, I've been the pastor at this church since it began. I've, before any of you were here, this was like an idea in my heart. And it has grown to become this thing. And so in terms of institutional memory of Awaken and where we've been and what has happened here, I have a very bad memory, but I have the most memory of anybody about what it about the institution, this organization. So I want to remind you, I want to tell you, that because of that, because of, when I, when I look in the rearview mirror and I see the history of this church and I, and I remember and recount all of the ways in which God has been present, leading and guiding, never leaving or forsaking, um, um, always having a pillar of cloud and fire, a movement of the Spirit inviting us to move this way or that way or to stay put, I will tell you that I have no fear. I am not afraid of what's in front of us, even though we don't know what it is. Even though we aren't sure of our, of our future, if it's this way or that way, and there will be a fork in the road in which one we will take, I don't know. But I stand here this morning, and I want to rest easy, be of good cheer, that I have no fear. Why? Because I remember. I can testify to all of the ways that for this community of God's people in the world, there has been a faithful, divine presence with us along the way, every step. So I'm not afraid. If we get kicked out, we get kicked out. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. All right? I say that jokingly sometimes to my kids, and they're like, what are you even talking about? Well, that means the Lord provides, in case you don't know. Jehovah Jireh. That's true in my experience. And if we don't, Jehovah Jireh, I trust that God will provide. Whatever the way forward is, that we together will discern that. So I may look a little anxious sometimes and a little uptight and a little wound. But like, I am so at peace in my soul. And so if you are anxious at all, like, come unto me. <laughs> Just, you can draft off of, off, of my, off of my remembering and my testimony of God's leading and guiding. And I'll also say that sometimes it requires us to break up, to break camp and to pack things up and to move. Like, this happens along the way in the story of God's people. Can you imagine if you were somewhere for a year and your baby was born there or you got married there or some significant life happened along the river by the banks of the oak? And then the spirit moves and you're like, no way, Jose, I'm staying here. No. Sometimes the life of faith requires you to pack up your things, to be grateful for the memories and the things that have happened in that place, to, to, to build a pile of stones and call it an Ebenezer so that you don't forget what happened there, 
and to follow the Spirit where the Spirit leads you. And so that may be a new path, a new family, a new group of people. It may be a number of things for us. But along the way, there will always be manna, there will always be water, and there will always be Sabbath, because that's what God provides in the wilderness. Food, water, and presence. So to my friends who call Awaken Home, I invite you to believe this is what God is like. I invite you to to have faith in what I'm saying, this story, and to live as if it's true. Because I believe that it will provide fruit. It will bear fruit in our lives and in the life of the communities that you live, the families that you're a part of, the workplaces that you go to. I'm going to close this morning and I'm going to read a couple of verses. And I want you to receive these in light of what you've heard. So uh, if you want to close your eyes and posture yourself to receive these, if it's hold your hands open, if it's bow your heads and fold your hands, um, however you want to hear it, I'm going to read these verses and then we'll have a moment of silence for you to consider, to listen to what the Spirit might be saying. So hear these words. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and shema, hear, listen, obey, you shall eat the good of the land. Exodus 23. But if you carefully shema, listen, hear, obey his voice, and do all that I say, then... I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema. Hear, listen, obey, O awaken. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you wake, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that you remember. Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak in our silence as we listen. As we close this morning, an invitation to join our voices together, to become one body in song and in spirit, and also to come to this table of Eucharist, this good gift. Um, So in just a moment, we'll invite you to make your way down the side aisles. There's communion on my right and on my left over here. Uh, There is red wine and there's white grape juice. So we invite you to take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. As you do, be reminded the, the body of Christ has been broken for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Uh, The table of the Lord at Awaken is open to anybody who wants it. So come and receive uh, Eucharist, the good gift of God. So the church gathered this morning, go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Happy Mother's Day. Find us online 
at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.